Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Roman Holiday from 1953. The studio, Paramount Pictures, released date August 27, 1953. The running time, 118 minutes, and it was in black and white. This was the second most popular film at the time of its release, only behind From Here to Eternity with Burt Lancaster and Frank Sinatra and Deborah Carr. Leonard Maltin from his classic movie guide gives it three and a half out of four stars. His quick little synopsis is, Audrey Hepburn got her first break in an Oscar as a princess yearning for a normal life who runs away from the palace and has a romance with reporter Gregory Peck. Screenplay by John Dighton and Ian McClellan Hunter from an Oscar-winning story written by the blacklisted Dalton Trumbo and credited for almost 40 years to Hunter, who acted as his front. The film is utterly charming. It was remade for television in 1987 with Katherine Oxenberg and Tom Conti. Rotten Tomatoes, no surprise, gives it 96% fresh from 56 reviews. Their critics' consensus is, with Audrey Hepburn luminous in her American debut, Roman Holiday is as funny as it is beautiful, and it sets a standard for the modern romantic comedy. Now, as I just mentioned, this really is the blueprint for the romantic comedy genre. The first Audrey Hepburn film I remember seeing was Charade with uh, Cary Grant, which for me was the best Hitchcock film that he never directed. <laughs> My mom bought it on VHS at Walgreens for like five bucks back in the 1980s. It was like, I think it was public domain, so it, it was one of those knockoff VHS tapes. In any case, I loved Audrey Hepburn in that film, so I was interested to see any of her other films when they came on television. So Roman Holiday, Sabrina, and Charade would always be some of my favorites. Okay, let's get into the main cast. You have Gregory Peck playing Joe Bradley. At this point in his career, Peck was known as a serious actor in dramas. This would be his first comedy, amazingly. His best-known films prior to Roman Holiday, Spellbound, which was a Hitchcock film with Ingrid Bergman, The Yearling with Jane Wyman, Duel in the Sun with Jennifer Jones and Joseph Cotton, Gentleman's Agreement with Dorothy McGuire and John Garfield, The Paradigm Case, which was another Hitchcock film, 12 O'Clock High, and The Gunfighter. Audrey Hepburn plays Princess Anne. Again, Roman Holiday would be her big break and she would become a superstar and one of the most beloved actresses in the history of film. Her talent, her beauty, style, grace, and charitable works outside of the film industry really put her in a class of her own. Eddie Albert plays Irving Radovich. Eddie Albert actually changed his birth name, which was Heimberger, because he was pro- it was constantly being mispronounced as Hamburger. He was one of the best character actors around, and he appeared in many films and television shows throughout his long career. But when I first saw him, it was in a role that was later in his career. He was the vicious prison warden in the original Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds in 1974. The director, William Wyler. In a bit, I'll get more into Wyler's history, but his most notable films prior to Roman Holiday were Dodsworth with Walter Houston, Jezebel with Betty Davis and Henry Fonda, Wuthering Heights with Merle Oberon and Laurence Olivier, The Letter, again with Betty Davis, Mrs. Miniver with Greer Garson, Walter Pidgeon, and Teresa Wright, The Best Years of Our Lives, and The Heiress with Olivia de Havilland and Montgomery Clift. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So by 1953, William Wyler was one of the most established and successful directors of his era. 
He had won Oscars for Mrs. Miniver and The Best Years of Our Lives. But Roman Holiday would be his first comedy in over 20 years. He started his career making quick westerns at Universal Studios and eventually became one of the biggest directors around. Once Wilder established himself, he would agonize over which films to direct next. The scripts had to make sense to him for him to take on the endeavor. It wasn't just a job for him. So as Leonard Maltin kind of alluded to, Roman Holiday was written by Dalton Trumbo. And he, of course, was a well-regarded screenplay writer, but sadly was blacklisted due to the asinine communism scare of the 1950s led by Joseph McCarthy. Trumbo at the time was considered a communist sympathizer and thus blacklisted by the film industry. Trumbo refused to talk or name names in front of the committee, which hurt his case in the court of public opinion. However, he would continue to work under assumed names or give his work to other screenwriters. He wrote 18 screenplays like this. On Roman Holiday, writer Ian Hunter fronted for Trumbo in order for Trumbo to still be able to survive and make money for his family. He was paid $50,000 for the Roman Holiday script. Director Frank Capra was originally interested in the film, but got cold feet when he heard that Trumbo was involved. Again, it's hard to blame anyone for being scared off as the blacklist ruined many careers and some that never recovered, sadly. Weiler, to his credit and strength, was not intimidated by the notion of filming a script by Trumbo and agreed to do the film. Though, again, it was a front. Weiler initially considered Elizabeth Taylor and Gene Simmons, not the not that kiss Gene Simmons, for the role of Princess Anne. However, neither was available and went with the unknown Audrey Hepburn. And man, did he strike gold or what? Hepburn had small roles in non-American films at the time and was in Broadway plays like Gigi and would starting it was starting to get noticed a bit by the industry but never had a starring role at this point and Roman Holiday again would be the huge break for her career. Now it was a bit of a fluke for Weiler to land Hepburn. He had set up a screen test with her but couldn't stay during the filming so he instructed a cameraman to be sure to film her when she was in a relaxed state, and then talked to her about her personal life to get a better feel of her as a real person. And this is what sold Weiler on Hepburn. And we actually have that test now. I wander down here without your hands in your pockets and settle down in that chair and we'll make a nice close up of you. Share it to the altar. Tell us about the war. You spent the whole war in Arnhem. Yes. Wasn't it pretty awful? Yes, it was very bad. But did you entertain the people there yourself? Is that how you began? No, not not quite how I began. I went to ballet school once I knew I was settled there for quite a while. Didn't know how long the war was going to last, so I went to a ballet school and learned to dance. And in about 1944, about a year before the end of the war, I was quite capable of performing. That was a sort of some way in which I could make some contribution, and I did give performances too. Unsurprisingly, Weiler first offered the role of Joe Bradley to Cary Grant. As perfect as Gregory Peck is, I could absolutely see Cary Grant being just as terrific. Grant actually turned down the role because after reading the script and realized all the attention would be centered on the princess, and not him, so he didn't want it. Gregory Peck later joked that he felt anytime someone sent him a comedy script that Cary Grant had seen it first and turned it down. In any case, Peck jumped at the opportunity to be in a comedy film because at this point he had not appeared in one. In many ways, Peck was just as versatile as Cary Grant 
and maybe underrated in many ways because he didn't necessarily always get the notoriety that Cary Grant did. But Gregory Peck had a presence on screen that today's actors could only dream of. And to add what a total professional that Gregory Peck was, not just an actor, but as a human being, Peck could sense early on working with Audrey Hepburn that she was going to be a superstar just from this performance in the film. And he told the studio to make sure that her name was a co-headliner with his instead of having her listed in the credits as introducing Audrey Hepburn. I mean, most actors have tremendous egos and would often decide whether or not to film simply on their billing credits alone. And that was not the case with Gregory Peck. He was a true pro and a a gentleman. And Hepburn, of course, won Best Actress for her role. Peck kind of knew it all along. William Wyler had worked with Eddie Albert before, and he knew he'd be perfect as the sidekick character. Albert even changed his look for the film because he normally had a crew-cut hairstyle. For Roman Holiday, he let his hair grow out and also grew a beard to almost give a European look to him. Now, location shooting, especially in foreign countries for films, was a rarity in the early days of Hollywood. So there would be many challenges shooting completely in Rome. Most films were always shot on the back lot of a studio because the costs were much lower. And you're in a controlled environment. Weiler wanted to shoot in Rome for professional and personal reasons. One, he wanted to get realistic scenery shots. But the other reason is he would also have a chance not to be hounded by the studio executives who would constantly be on the lot if it was filmed in Hollywood. Roman Holiday would lead future filmmakers to the opportunity to film outside of America and the studio lots. And let's face it, the city of Rome is essentially the third star of the film after Hepburn and Peck. The costumes were designed by legendary designer Edith Head, who would win her fourth Oscar for costume design for this film. Edith Head and Audrey Hepburn were a perfect team because Hepburn was very much into fashion and knew what worked best for her figure, and Head designed her features perfectly. Alright, let's get into the film. So it opens with the standard credits for the time, and then says the film was photographed and recorded in its entirety in Rome, Italy. After the credits, we get a news clip, which was standard to show prior to movies at theaters, especially prior to the advent of television. However, this is all part of the film. We are introduced to Princess Anne, Audrey Hepburn. However, we're never told what country she was actually the princess of. It doesn't really matter now, does it? Paramount News brings you a special coverage of Princess Anne's visit to London, the first stop on her much-publicized goodwill tour of European capital. She gets a royal welcome from the British as thousands cheer the gracious young member of one of Europe's oldest ruling families. After three days of continuous activity and a visit to Buckingham Palace, Anne flew to Amsterdam, where Her Royal Highness dedicated the new International Aid Building and christened an ocean liner. Then went to Paris, where she attended many official functions designed to cement trade relations between her country and the Western European nations. And so to Rome, the Eternal City, where the princess visit was marked by a spectacular military parade highlighted by the band of the crack Versalieri Regiment. The smiling young princess showed no sign of the strain of the week's continuous public appearances. And at her country's embassy that evening, a formal reception and ball in her honor was given by her country's ambassador to Italy. Of course, Audrey Hepburn looks perfectly stunning, and she's wearing a white gown with a tiara. Essentially, if you were to draw up a blueprint of what a princess would look like, Audrey Hepburn would fit the bill to a T. Princess Anne must greet all of the dignitaries that arrive to the ball in her honor, which may seem like an easy task, 
but she greets them all in their native language. Plus, her feet are killing her as she casually lifts her foot out of her shoe to stretch and scratch the back of her leg. Nobody can see this, of course, but she must always look prim and proper. Though she does slip, eventually, and must blindly try to get her shoe back on her foot to no avail. Yes, these aren't even first world problems since royalty is an entirely different situation, but it's still fun to watch. She must dance all night with a plethora of guests. Finally, she does get to relax a bit, but she's essentially done with a life where every moment is planned for her. 11.45, back here to rest. No, that's wrong. 11.45, conference here with the press. Sweetness and decency. One o'clock sharp, lunch with the foreign ministry. You will wear your white lace and carry a bouquet of a very small pink, pink roses. roses. 3.05, presentation of a plaque. Thank you. 4.10, review special guard of carabinieri police. No, thank you. 4.45, back do? here to change sharp your uniform so to meet the international... No! Good no! no! It's all right, dear. It didn't spill. I don't give it spilled up nuts. I don't give my drowned in it. My dear, you're ill. I'll send for Dr. Bonacova. I don't want Dr. Bonacova. Please let me die in peace. You're not dying. Leave me. Leave me. It's nerves. Control yourself, Anne. I don't want to. Your Highness. I'll get Dr. Bonacova. It's no use. I'll be dead before he gets here. Anne is given a sedative by a doctor, but it's not fast acting. She can't sleep and hears a gathering going on outside of her window. She decides to sneak out of the embassy to see what is going on. Now, while she's on embassy ground, she hides in the back of a garbage truck and is ecstatic to see Rome at night while on her own without a set schedule. However, the effects of the sedative are now beginning to take effect, and when the truck stops, she gets out in the middle of the town. She groggily wanders around town, and then we cut to a group of men playing cards. Two of them are Joe Bradley, Gregory Peck, and Irving Radovich, Eddie Albert. Joe is a reporter for the American News Service, while Irving is a photographer. Both are scheduled to meet Princess Anne the next morning for their paper. As it turns out, Anne is half awake, almost passed out on a bench near a museum. And Joe just happens to walk by. So happy. How are you this evening? Hey, 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 hey. Hey, wake up. Thank you very much, delighted. No, thank you. Charmed. Charmed, too. You may sit down. I think you better sit up. Much too young to get picked up by the police. Police? Yep, police. 2.15 and back here to change. 2.45. You know, people who can't handle liquor shouldn't drink it. If I were dead and buried and I heard your voice beneath the sod, my heart of dust would still rejoice. Do you know that poem? Huh. What do you know? You're well-read. Well-dressed. You're snoozing away in a public street. Do you care to make a statement? What the world needs 
is a return to sweetness and decency in the souls of its young men. Yeah, I uh, couldn't agree with him more, but... Uh... Instead of leaving Anne passed out alone on the street, Joe decides to give her a ride in his taxi. But she has no money on her, and Joe thinks she's just a rip-roaring drunk. Anne says that she lives at the consulate, then incoherently says the Coliseum. <laughs> Joe tries to get the taxi to take her home, but the cabbie doesn't want to be responsible for her. Exasperated, Joe decides just to take her back to his apartment to let her sleep it off. Can I have a silk nightgown with rosebuds on it? I'm afraid you'll have to rough it tonight. In these. Good job. Sorry, honey, but I haven't worn a nightgown in years. Will you help me get undressed, please? Uh, okay. been alone with a man before, even with my dress on. With my dress off, it's most unusual. <laughs> I don't seem to mind. Do you? I think I'll go out for a cup of coffee. Mm. You'd better get to sleep. Mm. No, no, no. On this one. Terribly nice. Hey. These are pajamas. They're to sleep in. You're to climb into them. You understand? Thank you. Then you do your sleeping on the couch, see? Not on the bed. Not on the chair. On the couch. Is that clear? You know my favorite poem. Uh, you already recited that for me. Arethusa rose from a couch of snows in the Acroceronian mountains. Keats. Shelley. You just keep your mind off the poetry and on the pajamas. Everything will be all right, see? I'll be, it's Shelley. I'll be back in about ten minutes. Back at the embassy, word is spread that the prince is missing, which is essentially an international incident. Now, they can't report that she's missing, so a wire is sent out to all the news services that she has suddenly taken ill. The next morning, Joe wakes up thinking that he's missed his interview with the princess. Of course, he has no idea that she's sleeping on the couch next to his bed. He rushes off to his office and lies to his editor that he's not late and that he's already done the interview with the princess. This, of course, amuses the editor because it's obvious that Joe doesn't know that she canceled. However, Joe ends up seeing the headline about the princess's illness along with the photo of her. Joe now realizes that he didn't take home a young drunk woman, but the princess herself. Joe realizes he has a gold mine on his hands and he would have the potential for an exclusive interview with the princess, which no other reporter has ever had the chance to get. The story would be worth $5,000. Today, that would be worth $50,000. Joe returns back to his apartment and finds Anne still fast asleep. In a funny scene, he's starting to have doubts 
It's really the princess until she groggily answers to her royal highness. And Anne finally awakens. Where's Dr. Bonnikov? Uh, I'm afraid I don't know anybody by that name. Wasn't I talking to him just now? Afraid not. Have I had an accident? No. Quite safe for me to sit up, huh? Oh, perfect. Thank you. These yours. Uh, did, did you lose something? No. no. Would you be so kind as to tell me where I am? Well, this is what is laughingly known as my apartment. Did you bring me here by force? No, no. Quite the contrary. Have I been here all night alone? If you don't count me, yes. So I've spent the night here with you. Oh, well, now, I uh, don't know that I'd use those words exactly. But uh, from a certain angle, yes. <laughs> How do you do? <laughs> How do you do? And you, uh... Bradley, Joe Bradley. Oh, delighted. You don't know how delighted I am to meet you. Anne doesn't give her real name. Instead, she says her name is Anya. Joe excuses himself and calls Irving to come meet him because he needs a photographer. However, he can't tell Irving about Anne in case his calls are being monitored. Joe returns to his apartment as Anne is on the patio watching people in the street. She really enjoys the peacefulness of simply enjoying time go by instead of having every minute of her life being scheduled by others. She tells Joe she must go and leaves the apartment. She has no money though, and Joe gives her a thousand lira, which is a dollar fifty. Joe decides he will tail her as he's the only one who knows the whereabouts of the princess. So Anne walks around Rome admiring the street vendors while Joe keeps an eye on her. Anne passes by a salon and decides that she wants to cut her long hair. All the while, Joe is spying on her and also trying to borrow a little girl's camera. <laughs> what a wonderful uh, hair you have. Miss Impiega? Uh, just cut, thank you. Just cut? Well, then cut uh, so? Higher. Higher? Here? More. Here? Even more. Where? There. There. Are you sure, miss? I'm quite sure, thank you. All off. All off. Off. Are you sure? Yes. Off. 
Posto. Vostra moglie non c'entra affatto. Assolutamente. E che c'è? No, 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 camera you have there. Ah, oh, that's nice. Mmm. Ah, uh, you don't mind if I just borrow it, do you? This Bring rubber? Back. Just for a couple of minutes. No. Go. It's my camera. You musician, maybe. You artist. Painter? I know, you modella. Model. Thank you. <laughs> ecco qua, finito. It's perfect. Oh. Uh, you be nice without long hair. Now it's cool. Hmm? Yes. Cool. It's, it's just what I wanted. <laughs> Grazie. Now, why you not come dancing tonight with me? You should see. It's so nice. It's uh, on a boat on the Tivere, Tiber, the river by Sant'Angelo. Light music, romantic, is very, very, very. Please, you come. I wish I could. Oh. But, but you are friend. I not think they recognize you. No, I don't think they will. <laughs> now I must say I don't really dig her haircut that much. But again, Audrey Hepburn could have no hair and still be stunningly beautiful. After her haircut, Anne gets some gelato and attempts to buy flowers, but she doesn't have enough money, but the man gives her a flower anyway. Joe finally decides to stop falling and decides to act that he simply is running into her on the street while she eats her gelato. Bradley. Or is it? Do you like it? Yeah, very much. So that was your mysterious appointment. Mr. Bradley, I have a confession to make. Confession? Yes, I ran away last night from school. Oh, what was the matter? Trouble with the teacher? No, nothing like that. Well, you don't just run away from school for nothing. Well, only meant it to be for an hour or two. They gave me something last night to make me sleep. Oh, I see. Now, I better get a taxi and go back. Well, look, before you do, why don't you take a little time for yourself? Maybe another hour. Live dangerously. Take the whole day. I could do some of the things I've always wanted to. Like what? Oh, you can't imagine. I'd, I'd like to do just whatever I like the whole day long. <laughs> things like having a haircut, eating gelato. Yes, and I'd, I'd like to sit at a sidewalk cafe and look in shop windows, walk in the rain, have fun and maybe some excitement. 
Doesn't seem much to you, does it? It's great. Tell you what, why don't we do all those things? Together. But don't you have to work? Work? Now, today is going to be a holiday. But you don't want to do a lot of silly things. Don't I? First wish, one sidewalk cafe coming right up. I know just the place, Rokas. Joe takes Anne, or Anya, to a sidewalk cafe and eventually meets Irving. What'll the uh, people at school say when they see your new haircut? <laughs> They'll have a fit. <laughs> what would they say if they knew I'd spend the night in your room? Well, uh, I'll tell you what. You don't tell your folks, and I won't tell mine. It's a pact. Now, what would you like to drink? Champagne, please. Uh, come here, Yeri. Uh... Commandi, signore. Champagne? Si, si. Uh, well, uh, champagne per la signorina and uh, cold coffee for me. Va bene, signore. Must be quite a life you have in that school. Champagne for lunch. Only on special occasions. For instance? The last time was my father's anniversary. Wedding? No, it was the 40th anniversary of the... of the day he got his job. Forty years on the job. <laughs> what do you know about that? What does he do? Well, most of you might call it public relations. Oh, well, that's hard work. Yes, I wouldn't care for it. Does he? I've heard him complain about it. Why doesn't he quit? Oh, people in that line of work almost never do quit. Uh, unless it's actually unhealthy for them to continue. Well, here's to his health, then. You know, that's what everybody says. It's all right? Yes, thank you. What is your work? Oh, I'm uh, selling game. Really? How interesting. Mm -hmm. What do you sell? Uh, fertilizer. Chemicals, you know, chemicals. Stuff like that. Glad to see you. Why? Did you forget your wallet? Uh, pull up a chair, Irving. Sit down with me. Oh, so you're going to introduce me? Uh, yes. This is a very good friend of mine, Irving Radovich. Anya Irving. Anya Smith. Oh. Hi, Smitty. John. Hey, uh, anybody ever tell you? You're a dead ringer. <laughs> Well, uh, I guess I'll be going. Oh, no, don't do anything I, like that, well, Irving. Oh, no, sit down. Join us, join us, join us. Well, uh, just till Francesca gets here. Mm -hmm. oh, tell me, Mr. Uh, Radovich, uh, what is a ringer? Oh, a uh, waiter. It's an Whisper, American please. term, yeah, and, uh, yeah. it means, uh, anyone who has a great deal of charm. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. thank you. You're welcome. Ciao, you mean. Ciao. Oh, ciao. Cousins. Mr. Bradley's just been telling me all about his work. Mm, I'd like to have heard that. What do you do? I'm in the same racket as Joe. <laughs> Only I'm a <laughs> I'm awfully oh. sorry, Irving. Oh, oh, what are you... I'm sorry, Irving. Look, I'm... I can take a hint. I'll see you around. Oh, but oh, your drink's just here. Yeah, Please. here's your drink right now, Irving. Take it easy. 
I'm sorry about that. Sit down. That's a good fellow. Have to ask him why. You took... You're twisting my arm, you know. Just, just be a little more careful not to spill. Spill? Who's been doing the spilling? You. Me? Yeah. Where did you find this loony? You're okay. Here's to you, huh? There's hoping for the best. If it, if it wasn't for that hair, I, I, I'd swear that. Thanks. To prevent Irving from saying the obvious, Joe kept spilling drinks and kicking over his chair. Joe finally gets Irving aside and lets him in on the plan. He needs photos of the princess and will give Irving 1200 bucks of the 5000 he will eventually receive. Joe has a spy camera and his cigarette lighter and is able to snap photos on the sly, like Anne smoking her very first cigarette. In the meantime, a fleet of Secret Service agents are hired to find the princess. Now, all the while, Anne is having the time of her life with Joe. They visit the Coliseum and other landmarks. But one of the most memorable scenes is Anne driving a Vespa around downtown Rome and causing havoc all over the streets, though she is loving every minute of it. They are eventually brought into a police station due to all the destruction of property, but eventually released. After leaving the station, they visit the Mouth of Truth. The Mouth of Truth. The legend is that if you're given to lying, you put your hand in there, it'll be bitten off. Oh, what a hard idea. Let's see you do it. scene was super famous because Audrey Hepburn's reaction was completely genuine because Gregory Peck's over-the-top reaction really fooled her. Peck had told William Wyler off-camera his idea of playing a prank on Audrey to see what sort of reaction they can get from her, and Wyler agreed to it, and the rest is film history. That one and only take created movie magic. That night, Anne wants to go dancing at the same party she saw from the balcony of the embassy. However, while at the party, two of the Secret Service men see Joe and Anne together. One of the detectives eventually dances with Anne while Joe gets some drinks. Anne is frightened about being discovered and makes a scene which leads to a huge brawl involving Irving, Joe, and Anne. Your Highness. Quietly towards the entrance. There is a car waiting. No. Your Highness, please. You've made a mistake. I non parlo inglese. Let me go. Will you let me go? Mr. Bradley! Let me go, will you, Mr. Bradley? Mr. Bradley! 
Street! Joe eventually escapes with Anne, The Irving gets a shot of her hitting one of the men over the head with a guitar. <laughs> she later jumps into the river after Joe is punched in by one of the detectives. Now, this, of course, is not very princess-like. All right. Fine, how are you? Oh, fine. <laughs> Say, you know, you were great back there. You weren't so bad yourself. Now, you can't tell from the last quip, but Joe kissed Anne before leaving. They go back to Joe's apartment to dry off. Anne knows that she must go, but she doesn't want to. And Joe is having second thoughts about his article, as it's obvious both are falling for one another. Here? Yes. I have to leave you now. I'm going to that corner there and turn. You stay in the car and drive away. Promise not to watch me go beyond the corner. Just drive away and leave me. As I leave you.
the score was just great in that last scene and really captures the emotion of the connection between Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn. So what will Joe do? He's got the story of a lifetime and he's also in love with her. I will say, if you haven't seen the film, it's not a predictable ending whatsoever. Actually, I'm not even sure the ending would be the same today, which is what makes the film so wonderful and, dare I say, makes it more realistic, if that's possible, for such an implausible tale. This is an absolute classic featuring two of the greatest actors of all time, plus a great supporting role from Eddie Albert. So do yourself a favor and see it if you haven't already. So ironically, even though the plot might seem far-fetched, the same thing did happen in Britain during the same period with Princess Margaret and the so-called divorce commoner named Peter Townsend. Part of the reason Audrey Hepburn and Gregory Peck, for that matter, were so wonderful is that they didn't seem to have that put-on aura of knowing they were stars. Now, granted, at the time, Hepburn was early on in her career, but she would continue that down-to-earth charm in all of her roles that made her even more of attractive to audiences. Plus, her charitable work and her personal life exemplified this notion that she wasn't influenced by her own fame. She stayed true to herself, which is incredibly commendable, especially compared to most Hollywood stars. So some fun facts. I actually have the acceptance speech from Audrey Hepburn. It's short and sweet. Unlike today's awards and their speeches that are so self-indulgent and preachy, and she was the definition of elegance. Thank you. And now, now for someone to read the Best Actress nominations. We went to a two-time Oscar winner who is on location in Mexico. Here he is, the Abe Lincoln of the sagebrush, Mr. Gary Cooper. Thank you, John Wilkes Booth. Folks <laughs> down here in Mexico are just about as excited about the awards tonight as you are at home. So let's see. Those uh, nominated for the best performance by an actress are Leslie Caron in Lily, Metro Golden Mayor, Ava Gardner in Mogambo, Metro Golden Mayor, Audrey Hepburn in Roman Holiday, Paramount, Deborah Carr. In From Here to Eternity, Columbia, Maggie McNamara, In The Moon is Blue, Preminger Herbert Production, United Artists. And the winner is... Well, I better turn you over to the Abe Lincoln of the Bobby Soxers. <laughs> well, thank you, Gary. Thank you very much. Yep. I'm very proud of you will not forsake me, oh, my darling. Because you've got all the money. Let me see here. Gary, I'm going to take over for you. Want to give me the envelope? Shall I read it? Shall I read it? I don't think I will. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, in New York City, Miss Audrey Hepburn in Roman Holiday.
much. I, I want to say thank you to everybody who in these past months and years have helped, guided, and given me so much. I'm truly, truly grateful and terribly happy. Minutes after accepting her Oscar, Audrey realized that she had misplaced it. Turning quickly on the steps of the Center Theater in New York, she raced back to the ladies' room to retrieve the award and then was ready to pose for photo- photographs. The other Oscars won by Roman Holiday, Best Story, which was Ian Hunter, but it was later given to Dalton Trumbull in 1993, and Costume Design from Edith Head. When Gregory Peck came to Italy to shoot the movie, he was privately depressed about his recent separation and imminent divorce from his first wife, Greta Kukkonen. However, during the shoot, he met and fell in love with a French woman named Veronica Passani. Following his divorce, he married her, and she became Veronica Peck, and they remained together for the rest of their life. This was the first American film to be made entirely in Italy. In the 1970s, both Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn were approached with the idea of a sequel, but the project never came to fruition. And as fun as it would have been to see them on screen again together, you know it could have never matched the magic of the original. Okay, as always, I do have two great guests to talk about this classic, Roman Holiday. First, we have our resident film buff, classic film buff, and that's Samantha. And then after that, we get a treat with super producer Lindley, who has some great stories about actually traveling to many of the sites that are in Roman Holiday. So we'll talk about that, and I'll be back next week with yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Okay, we're back with Samantha. Welcome back, Samantha. Hello. So we're going to cover, by far, one of your favorite actresses, if I'm not mistaken. and oh. uh, And because uh, I know you're a huge Audrey Hepburn fan. Yes, I'm, I'm a cliche. I'm one <laughs> of those girls. <laughs> So what, uh, how, how old were you when you first got into her and what was the first Audrey Hepburn movie you saw? Oh gosh, I was a young, young teenager and I don't really remember how I got involved or like started watching her movies. I either got like a, I was always into old movies when I was right. young and I would um, go and stay with my grandparents in the summer And Mm -hmm. so we would just watch tons of old movies all the time. And so I found a feeling either through I watched a movie with them or maybe I just through maybe like fashion because I was I was a big like fashion person. And I went through a phase I was really into like vintage like 50s and 60s. And Mm -hmm. I'm big into the history of it. So I could have found out about her that way. Um, but I remember I got like a, a set of her movies Mm. um, when I was probably, I don't know, maybe 13 or 14. And it was, I think like breakfast at Tiffany's, my fair lady and either Sabrina or maybe it is Roman holiday. I don't know, but I had like a little set of the DVDs and then I like watched all of those. And then I remember I would. I would try and go and find all her other movies. I'd like mm. go to the library and rent right. them. And before we had, you know, instant. <laughs> <laughs> instant gratification. Yes. I would go to the library. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Cause you're so much into fashion. Um, and that was going to be your career choice for, for a while. Right. 
Oh yeah, that was my goal when I was um for when I was pretty young. I wanted to be a fashion journalist. Mm -hmm. be because so. Audrey Hepburn was the fashion icon of that that era, I would assume. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I always loved, I think it was kind of a mix of I loved her movies, but I also loved her her style. And I think it was something I felt like I could resonate with a bit because I kind of have similar like coloring to mm -hmm. her. So, and she was on the taller side. Right. But I always feel like, you know, the the era I kind of grew up in, I wasn't really into the, the fashion and like the highlighted hair and all <laughs> of that. So I was really liked how she like dressed and looked like she was very like classy, but also like kind of modern for her time. And yeah, so I was just really into her whole like package. <laughs> right. And then it, it, if you dig deep into her life and her um, and who she became, she never let really fame go to her head and she always seemed grounded and, and you yeah. never hear anything bad about her, which which mm -hmm. I really which I really like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I read a bunch about her and I she, she always seemed, you know, like a genuine person and she mm -hmm. was really smart and just artistic and did just a lot of, I think, good things in her life. Yeah. And she wasn't one of those like tragic figures of the time who, you know, became famous really young and then kind of like fizzled out. I think she was a pretty good good role model and she like aged well in her in her roles definitely and and when today like hollywood actors kind of get a bad name she's like kind of what you want your your stars to be like yeah. her <laughs> and gregory peck i think i've never heard anything bad about gregory peck either oh, yeah yeah definitely definitely so we'll get into roman holiday and what one of the really cool things about this film is unlike most of the classic films this is actually filmed in italy it's filmed in rome it's on mm -hmm. location because a lot of times it was just going to be it was going to be on a set way back when so oh, no yeah <laughs> so bad you can always tell and uh so how did how did you feel about the onset on location or not on set but you know filming on location and have you ever been to rome oh no i have not been um that's one of the things i love about this movie it it kind of transports you in a way because right. it is so realistic and we don't get that a lot with classics um but no i've never been um it's on my bucket list and sadly that was likely going to be my 2021 big vacation oh. um, which i've had to cancel yeah <laughs> but yeah i was finally gonna go um this next year because I've traveled, I've been to a lot of different places in Europe, but I was holding mm -hmm. out on on Italy um, for a few different reasons. So this was gonna finally be the year, but it's not, I'm gonna have to push it back. I know. So, and, and again, the, it, the plot point is almost, it, it is Italy, like it's Rome. And so it really mm -hmm. becomes part, part of the movie. Um, how did you, so you just recently rewatched it. Are there any new things you picked up while rewatching it that you maybe missed before or, or something that uh, you enjoy more now? So I kind of, the, the part that always stands out to me that I think I always, I remember from this movie is 
her, you know, her day out when she's like out on the Vespa. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's my dream. I would just love to ride a little Vespa around. Um, But I didn't remember kind of how much of the kind of how much they do. Um, And then they get into a little bit of trouble um, out there. Uh, They run into like a little flea market or something and (laughs) kind of cause some havoc. Yes. Um, But yeah, I also, for some reason, forgot it. Most of the action took place in that one day. So like her big day out and they, I mean, like I haven't been to Rome, but I feel like it hits all of those like quintessential locations and yeah, I didn't really remember all those details. Like they go to the Colosseum and they go to all of those certain little fountains and the they sit out and um, hang out and eat or like they're at a cafe on the street. Right. And it's kind of just that perfect, like if you've never been to Italy, I feel like, oh, that is what Italy, <laughs> Italy feels like. Um, but it did seem like pretty genuine as well. Right, like they didn't go grandi. Like they easily could have gone to just all the, you know, the the stuff that everyone knows. But they they kind of toned it down, which I think yeah. made it a better movie. Like it made it more realistic, as you said. Yeah, and in kind of there were a lot of extras, and it seemed really authentic for the most part. Like you mm-hmm. know, given the era it was made, um, and then yeah, they go and to that like dance that's outside. Right. And it was just a really cute mix of, and that's probably part of the intention too, because, you know, she was royalty and she wanted to get a sense of what real life was like. Exactly. And I think it, it did that well, at least from like a viewer's perspective. Now, how did you feel about her when she cut her hair? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so you like her better with short hair than, than long hair? I love it. If I could pull off that haircut, I would do it, honestly. <laughs> um, I think that was just such a iconic moment. Great, great, great plot point as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so what's interesting about this movie is even though it seems far-fetched, and without spoiling the ending, um, I think the ending is kind of perfect in a way because it isn't your typical fairy tale ending. Exactly. Yeah. I I was surprised when I first watched it. I remember like I was a little sad mm-hmm. um, how it ended, but it does now watching it again, I feel like it makes her more of a like a powerful um figure. Right. Because she she had her opportunity to, you know create an independent life for herself, maybe run away, but, you know, fall in love and follow the man. But she kind of was just like, well, this is my job and I'm going to make the best of it. And it was surprising, but I think also it gave her some agency as well. Yeah, that That's perfect because I think if, if she hadn't had this, she's eventually going to have a breakdown at some point. Yeah, she was kind of like a tip, ticking time bomb, and the in the intro kind of uh, does that where she has to meet everyone and and her the fun yeah. the cute little scene with the her, yeah with like her, her her shoe falls off when she's trying uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah and uh, yeah she's just you can tell she's she's a lot of fun but it's wearing on her you know mm-hmm. yeah and she and she had her like fit when right. she was in bed and 
you could tell she was stressed out and she was just done, done with that life. And maybe, oh, maybe she does, does want a, a different life for herself. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I think she was too, if you, if you grow up that way, like right. you just flip the switch. <laughs> no, no. Change. So it makes sense. And I think the great part is there's never, there's no sequels to this. Like it, it leaves you, it, you're up to yourself to figure out, well, where would she go in her, you know, after this and, and how is her life going to be and what's going to happen to Gregory Peck. And uh, I think it's better left the way it is because today, I think because if it was successful today, they would have made two or three sequels or a prequel or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it would have been maybe a little more melodramatic at the end. Like, absolutely. I feel like this movie's been remade a million times mm -hmm. on like the Hallmark channel. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> but with or or like some like teen movie, but you know with that different ending and it's like sure, why not? But th this like I'm glad how this just stayed. As it is. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, one person we also have to talk about is Eddie Albert, because I think he's great as the as uh, Gregory Peck's buddy. How, how did you awesome. feel about that character? Oh, good. Yeah, I think it's good that there was someone else involved in the mm -hmm. relationship, because it kind of seemed like, you know, the, well, what did she go by? Anya or Anna? Right. And then, Anna, yeah. Um, Gregory Peck's character. Well, she mostly called him by his last name, so I don't even remember his first name. It's uh, Joe. Joe. Okay, um, but they. It seemed like they were just gonna maybe just be the two of them, and I liked how the friend showed up as kind of a bit of a balance, and then he was constantly at the beginning, kind of gonna spill the beans, right, and mess it up. But <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> the, he's what happened. the the comic relief. Yeah. Yeah. So that was good. And I like how the movie, it could have been more of a drama, but there were some great comedic, comedic moments and some of, you know, the minor characters brought that in too. Definitely. And, and as much as there is comedy and there's fun and everything, there is a heartfelt seat towards the end, especially when, when he's dropping her off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought they, played that really well yeah like, it was sad <laughs> it is it, it definitely was they definitely connected and well that's that's it and there's nothing really they can do about it so, so and how did you feel about gregory peck because i i think uh, he 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 humorously said that, that pretty much he it seemed like every role he got cary grant passed on so i you know i could definitely well, see cary grant in this role but i think gregory peck played it perfectly Oh, he did. Yeah. And I kind of like how he played more of like the straight reporter. Yeah. Um, like he maybe kind of how how he, he seemed maybe a little mischievous at the beginning and like, you know, lying about going to the interview. But he was pretty kind of, you know, serious. And I thought, yeah, that's kind of. Gregory Peck, that's what I think of when I think of him as more of a, a serious actor, but I thought he balanced it well. And I thought they were a really good, a really good pair in this. Yeah, definitely. So 
were there any other thoughts you you because this is fresh off you watching that were there any other notes or, or takeaways that that you have from it oh well i've seen this movie so many times <laughs> and it's just really just delightful every time and i i like how i think something i noticed this when i rewatched it is how much kind of backstory we get in a way like mm -hmm. before i think this movie and with you know the clips you see of it and the images it kind of just looks like you know a princess her like fun day out on the town right but i think there's a lot more to it than that like i the whole intro sequence where you see her background and you see how she's medicated so she'll sleep <laughs> and she escapes in the middle of the night and she's going through a lot and then she ends up with this guy who he could have really just left her there for the police to pick oh, up. Oh yeah, but, or worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was, yeah. you know, just a genuine person who helped her out and he does, you know, get lured in by some money and he thinks he's going to sell the story, but you can kind of tell that he's more of a friendly person. Um, and yeah, I really forgot how much kind of intro to this movie that there was. And there's more, it's more than just kind of like a cutesy little, like, let's run around the town and have right. gelato and like have a makeover. Like, yeah, there, there's more to it than that. And then you see kind of at the end when like the fun's over the, all the emotions that come up and kind of how they changed in a way that was it's a really sweet ending so yeah fun movie and i really wish i could go on vacation <laughs> <laughs> well what makes it even more amazing is this really was audrey hepburn's debut and what a yeah. debut it was and mm -hmm. uh, and she it looks like she'd been acting for many many years that's that's how great she is i mean could you yeah. think of a better princess than audrey hepburn i mean she was she was meant to, to be was, that role it was perfect yes um, I think just you can tell like in the opening sequence when she appears in that beautiful dress, like yeah. just so poised and you can't really tell she kind of looks like, you know, an average girl, but there is something um, a little more like elegant about her and like, oh, she looks like a princess. Yeah. But nothing too like over the top. Um, and I think, yeah, that was a really great intro for her. Um, and then, you know, she goes and cuts all her hair off, <laughs> which I'm like, okay, that was pretty guts gutsy move. <laughs> yeah. She's got a twinkle in her eye that, that, um, you know, not, not many people have and that, that she has. Yeah. 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 It's just, yeah. Really great, great characters. And it's a, it's a sweet, a sweet movie. And I feel like, yeah, I could watch it over and over again and not get not get tired of it. Just, yeah, the scenery and the costumes and um, all the different characters are really enjoyable. <laughs> well, I knew when this movie came up and I was starting to watch it, and I'm like, I, the one person I'm going to go to for this movie is Samantha. And oh, uh, so <laughs> you didn't let me down. And, and thank you, as always, for your thoughts on this. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, we are back with super producer Lindley. Welcome back. Thank you. 
So I always go through a list of movies with you, and and this mm-hmm. seemed like a no brainer because uh, you know it's a classic Hollywood film. Plus, I think you love these these two actors in it. Uh, but I then I also it. got a I got a great tidbit from you, which we can get into in a little bit. So, oh, okay. when when did you first see Roman Holiday? Were you a teenager or were yeah. you? Yeah. Pre- okay. Must have been a teenager, um, and then definitely watched it. You know, anytime it was would be on, I would have it on. Right? It's a great movie to just have on in the background when right. you're doing things. <laughs> so I love movies for that. And I, yeah, I just, um, it's just like the perfect travel snapshot, kind of like, you know, madcap romance, ridiculous situations, ridiculous people, not ridiculous. I mean, by the fact that, oh, she's a princess who just happened right. to fall asleep on a bench. <laughs> and then he happens to be the journalist investigating her or something, you know, trying to interview her. Right. And, you know, the mad, you know, the ridiculous coincidences, I should say, instead of people. Um, yeah, that's all. Well, it was it was also a cool movie because at the time, most most movies back then were shot on sets, and I think what made Roman oh, Holiday unique yeah. is it really was on location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's very much on location, and Which I think we, you can yeah. feel that. Yeah, you can definitely feel that. Right. Uh, oh, definitely. Movie. Yeah. And I think it makes a difference. It definitely makes yeah. a difference. And uh, which leads me to the tidbit I found out. So you actually stayed at a hotel that was featured? In, in yeah. Yes. So it's a famous street. And I think, I, I believe it was not coincidental. I believe I wanted to go to the street. Um, and in the street, I think is famous uh, because of Roman Holiday. It's like where Fellini lived as well. Like it's very mm. famous for, you know, a few famous people have lived on the street. I think it's called Via Margotta, Via Margotta. I don't, my Italian is terrible. <laughs> Ask Monica how to pronounce it. <laughs> um, Via Margotta 51, I think is the, is the yeah, street. It's this really uh, lovely, tiny, um, you know, cobblestone mm-hmm. street, very close to the Spanish steps. So those are, there's lots of scenes with them. And it's actually where his apartment was. Okay, got it. In the movie, it's where his apartment was. Now, was the hotel the basis for his apartment? I don't remember if the hotel that I stayed in was exactly what was his apartment. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. But I know there were, but I just recall them having lots of plaques about it, um, about the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it was, but I'm not sure. The hotel I stayed at was Hotel Forte. Okay. Um, and it's on that street, and it's a great little three star hotel. There's, definitely nicer hotels on that street as well, but it's honestly like a block wide. It's, I mean, a block length. It's a very short street. Right. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, that's the um, thing about movies. They all seem larger than life on screen, but it doesn't necessarily have to take a lot of space in real life. Yeah. It, it's really small. I mean, it has cute little restaurants. It's just like a perfect, it's, I think it's, it's declared like one of the best, you know, streets to visit in Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not very, I mean, it's touristy because it's by the Spanish steps, but I, I would say it does not feel busy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was shocked just taking the taxi, you know, ride from the airport to there, like the way that our taxi driver drove through these tiny little streets <laughs> was just like a million rights and lefts. And I was just like, I, I cannot believe it just felt like we were driving on a not, you know, not on a road, like it should have just been for pedestrians, but right. <laughs> it was all legal. So it was all fine. And they have really beautiful, like all over Rome, they just have impromptu, um, not even fountains, but like water faucets almost like they're there for you to like get a sip of water on a hot day. Um, so they're like little mini fountains. And I remember that was all the, all along the street and everything is really in walking distance. You can go to like the Trevi fountain. Um, from where we stayed, it's literally like a five minute walk. 
-hmm. And then of course, like the Spanish steps. Now, did you go to the famous Mouth of Truth where he played yes. the practical joke on yeah, her? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, um, that was. And we didn't. There's a massive line to you have to stand in a massive line to get your picture with it. Mm -hmm. But um, we, I just went to this. We didn't stand in line. I had two young kids at the time, and we just right. kind of. It was like a million degrees. It was like August. Oh. And it was really, really hot. Brutal walking yeah. around. Um, but we went to the side. So a tip, if you don't want to stand online, you can um, go to the side and take a picture with nobody else in the picture with you. Cause everybody is mm. kind of like, uh, you know, horizontally facing and we were kind of vertically facing. So I think I got a pretty good picture with it. Oh, good. It good. was fun. <laughs> Did you rent Vespas and, and no. scoot around? No, <laughs> I did rent Vespas on my honeymoon in Greece. That was mm. really fun in Santorini, but not in, I would never, I would never ride a Vespa or a car. I would never drive a vehicle in Rome, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the obvious, well, th this is Audrey Hepburn's first movie, which is crazy because it's- That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, Did you, oh, yeah. go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say another reason I think I like this is because they actually wanted Cary Grant in the role of Gregory exactly. Peck. Exactly. Did yes. you know that? Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think Gregory Peck famously said, I want to thank Carrie for rejecting the for role rejecting because the role. It's, he seemed to joke that like pretty much all the roles he got were offered to Cary Grant. Cary Grant point. first. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would love Cary Grant in this role. Sure. I love Gregory. Gregory Peck is fine. I love Gregory Peck as well. But yeah, it does I mean, seem like a very Cary Grant role. Yeah. yeah. And if eventually you would get, you know, uh, him and her and charade and, and things like yes. that. Yes. So. Yeah. Interesting that he said he turned it down because he was too old for her. Mm -hmm. And then 10 years later, they were romantically linked in charade. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but then again, that, and that's he's like, even older. Well, and then you have like um, Sabrina and of course, Humphrey Bogart's way too old. Yes. For her yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of Audrey Hepburn. So yes. I, I'm assuming you, you like, you were glad she cut her hair in the movie because of course, yeah, as well as Mia Farrow in uh, Rosemary's Baby, right, right, Great haircut. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not going to say. Do you like her better with long hair or short hair? Oh, Audrey Hepburn, short yeah. hair, of course. <laughs> I mean, she always has her hair pulled back anyway, right? So you don't right. really see her with a big mane of hair, do you? In any roles, maybe. I'm trying to remember, but I can't uh, really think of her as like a big, yeah, a whole lot of hair. I always think of her as very, yeah. Pulled back. Well, that's Short why it, or pulled back. Yeah, it's kind of interesting seeing her in the beginning of the film because you know when she's laying in bed and she kind of throws right. the tantrum. She has long. You could see yeah, her, yeah, yeah. her hair. So yeah, yeah. Was yeah, that that's her a, real hair or a wig? That's a know. good question. I'm trying yeah. to. I believe. I think she really did get the haircut. So I know Mia Farrow really got the haircut, mm -hmm. and it was like Vidal Sassoon himself gave her the haircut. Right. At that time, it was not cheap shampoo like Fidel Sassoon right. was. <laughs> it was a famous, expensive hairdresser, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can remember, what are what are some of your favorite scenes uh, from Roman Holiday that you haven't already mentioned? Yeah. I mean, I just love the scenes of them going, you know, riding around, especially when she's on the Vespa or them having, um, where are they, where they get arrested? I can't remember, but yeah, anytime they're together, I really liked it. And then who's is the other guy's Eddie Albert, right? Yeah. Yeah. How did He's, you feel about him as the sidekick? Yeah. I always like Eddie Albert. I have no problem with Eddie Albert. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he's just very Eddie Albert to me. So. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's always the, kind of the same. Well, did you ever see the movie, the longest yard, the original with Burt Reynolds, the 
I mean, it's a football movie, so I'm assuming. No, you're like, I'm assuming you didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I have three older brothers. I had to watch a lot of uh, football movies. I know. We, your favorite player is Joe Montana. And uh, <laughs> this is I, the did ongoing. Did you ever see Gus, the kicking? Of the course. Voyage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get the mule to kick. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about Gus. We'll talk oh, about no, Gus. No, God, no. <laughs> I'd have to rewatch that one. I haven't seen it in a very long time. God, there were so many animal movies. We're going off on tangent here for yeah. uh, Disney. So it's like, the, yeah, of course. Uh, there's always uh, that darn cat. And yes, uh, I watched the, that recently when Disney Plus came out. Uh, the Ugly Doction. Did you ever see that one? No. That's with um, um, Shaggy DA, of course. Yeah, of course. The Shaggy I don't know the Ugly Doxon. Yeah, it was um, the guy from Love Bug and uh, oh, uh, okay. Suzanne Pochette. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love her. Then there was a there, when there a cat that went to outer space. Yeah, the uh, I watched that too recently. Yeah. <laughs> Do they hold up for you? No, I couldn't get through them. Like I started <laughs> them, and I was like, "Oh, the kids will enjoy this." Like they were much younger. This was sure. many years ago, and no, I don't think any of us caught on to the story or the plot. <laughs> <laughs> we were easily amused in the seventies, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have access to so much, so many other options, right? Yeah. Well, that's. I think that's the key to entertainment now. There's almost uh, you won't give anything a chance because why would you? There's there's so much exactly. other stuff out there. There's so many things to watch. It's, it's crazy. It's too much. Which which is actually a bad thing because I think there's some stuff I ended up yeah. loving that would have never given a chance as a you know if if I was living today as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely true. So, where would this rank in your favorite movies for Audrey Hepburn? Oh my gosh! I mean, this has got to be my favorite movie of Audrey Hepburn, but I'm not familiar with Sabrina. Oh really? And I don't love um... Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh no! Yeah, I don't love Breakfast at Tiffany's, um, and I don't. But the other one I was thinking of is, um, isn't she Eliza Doolittle in? Yes. Yeah, I don't love that movie or that play, M musical movie, whatever you want to call it. In um, uh, My Fair Lady. My Fair Lady. Thank you. Yeah, not my favorite thing to watch. Funny uh, Face. Oh, I need to watch Funny Face. I haven't watched it. That's okay. supposed to be great, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's one of her her more famous roles. I know my mom likes her in The Nun Story. Oh, okay. Is it called The Nun Story? Yeah, yeah. She plays Sister Luke. The Nun Story. I'm writing things down. I actually <laughs> have a pencil. I'm writing names down. I still think um, my, my favorite is, I, I think Roman Holiday, but I, I just love Charade. It was the, Charade was the first thing I saw. Oh, her do you? So. so I really prefer Roman Holiday to Charade. Yes. Okay. But you prefer Charade. See, I thought Charade was kind of like a... It's a uh, Hitchcock. Yeah, it's like a Hitchcock-esque movie that wasn't Hitchcock. Is it Hitchcock? No, no, it's... It's um, not Hitchcock, right. It's no. like a Hitchcock-esque. It's like a fake Hitchcock movie it was, that uh, you think is a Hitchcock movie. Yeah, it's got that thrower suspense mystery. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Stanley Donnan did the... He directed, who was a famous director. But uh, uh, yeah, okay. I, didn't, I, I didn't... Maybe it was time and place, but Breakfast at Tiffany's did... I really didn't like Breakfast at Tiffany's that much because she's not, she's not a likable character. No, the character's and, not likable at all. yeah. Though. And um, I did like, because I was a big fan of the A-Team, so I did like George Pard in it. But uh, yeah, um, but yeah, I prefer Roman Holiday, Sabrina, and Charade. I thought probably. you were going to say, I love Mickey. No, Randy that definitely it. doesn't hold <laughs> up like, today. You know, that is the problem. That's a yeah, big problem. Yeah. That doesn't hold up today at all. So and That's yeah. one actor who I don't like, not even just that. I cannot stand Mickey Rooney in almost anything. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't get how Ava Gardner was like, I, you know, I can understand her being with Frank Sinatra, but not Mickey Rooney. I mean, weren't they all like crazy for Mickey Rooney? 
Yeah. Even I, Elizabeth Taylor like had a big crush on him or something. And like I know Judy her. Garland. Judy yeah, Garland Judy did. Garland. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Uh, different era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then again, it always seems to come back to Woody Allen. How could anybody be attracted to Woody Allen? So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's all power. I or guess success. So, right? Success. Yeah. yeah. It was a romantic lead, gross, yeah. in his own movies. On the other hand, I totally understand the, the attraction to Gregory Peck and Cary Grant. So, Well, there you go. That's yeah. all you need to know. <laughs> and they never had any scandals, so there you go. <laughs> did they not? Not Gregory Peck. Cary, no, Cary definitely Grant not. didn't have scandals? No, not at all. I don't I don't believe so. Unless oh, they boy. had to go through the whole McCarthy stuff, but I don't believe they did. So Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. But in any case, it's always great talking to super producer Lindley. (laughs) Oh, my time is over. Okay, good. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, we can keep going. I don't know if you have any other. No, no, I don't have anything else. It's not a complex story, right? Well, I don't know. Do you? No, I said it's not a complex story. I don't have other things to say. Oh, meaning Roman Holiday is not. Yeah, Roman Holiday. Yes. But you said it is your favorite or not your favorite? It's it's probably tied with Charade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I prefer it to Charade. And then a close one, I, you really need to see Sabrina. I, I, I yeah. definitely enjoy it. Even though Humphrey Bogart is too old, but uh, yeah. you can suspend disbelief, I think. I will try. <laughs> <laughs> As always, thank you. Of course, thank you for having me, Brian. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.